On this episode of the program, we review our failed candidate fantasy draft with Evan Scrimshaw, break down the state of the primaries, and exactly who we think is going to drop out in what order. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. everybody to the politics 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 program for september 1st 2023 your old pal justin robert young joining you from austin texas we're in uh that that period between debates when things start settling out you start to make preparations you see where you are you see where you need to be and you go from there Ron DeSantis is in hurricane mode as a Category 3 storm hit the Big Bend in Florida. That's a place that isn't usually hit by a hurricane. So he's doing that. Donald Trump is is still trumping about, and everybody else is figuring out exactly where they sit in this race. But to discuss not only debate thoughts, but also the state of who, when, and where the campaign undertaker will take his victims. We bring on one of our favorites, the old boy, Evan Scrimshaw. Welcome back to the show, Evan. Thanks for having me, man. I always love doing this. You, I think it was on Twitter, uh, while the debate was going on, said, I cannot wait. And I think the, the actual tweet was, let me on the show so I can make fun of this debate. So let, let, before we go into our failed candidates fantasy draft uh, and we update the rankings, the campaign undertaker has taken his first victim in Francis Suarez, who's going to run back to Miami if he ever really ran away from Miami to begin with. But let's 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 go over the debate. You wanted to make fun of it. So the floor is yours. One, the concept of a debate where the guy who is very obviously going to win is not on stage is hilarious to me. But the number of people. So, okay, first off, like the fact that everyone was just like, oh, we're just going to do this debate as if like this is the real debate and no one's going to like really acknowledge the elephant in the room was hilarious. The fact that Fox led with this Richmond, North of Richmond guy (laughs) and then that pissed him off was hilarious. Um. Vivek, man, Vivek, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what he's doing, but I, I can't, you know, that was funny as hell. But there was just this like deep, like absurdity. It, it was like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. It was like Larry David had written this because it was so fundamentally absurd that you have all of these people who are ostensibly running for president who yeah. are not running for president. Right. They are running for a cabinet job or they are running to get a gig on MSNBC. Well, but, but even uh, even Chris then. Christie. Yes. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Or or he'll just go back to ABC. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I still believe 
that Chris Christie would not be running for president if the Mets weren't a total failure and Steve Cohen needed something to do with his time during the summer. <laughs> I like, mean, probably. If, 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 if the Mets were good and all of the money that, that, that he spent on that team, then he would not just be like, ah, whatever, Chris. I need, I just need something to watch on TV. Yell at Trump every day. Right, but that's like, you've got Vivek running for either to be the governor of Ohio in, in three years or to, you know, a county job or, a, or the VP slot. You've got Nikki Haley. I don't know. What, I don't know what Nikki Haley's doing. I don't know what lady she's trying to fill. Nikki Haley Especially. is basically, she's there for when Trump, the, the rumor is, right? So if you, if you believe the rumors that Trump wants a woman because Trump wants the first woman president to be a Republican and to be of his coaching tree, then when he looks at the option of women that he will come back to the idea of a Nikki Haley before he does a Kirstie Nome or a Carrie Lake or a Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like that's but then, why that, did, but, I, then, but then why did she spend the debate criticizing like doing like a doing doing like a actually we need to criticize, you know, Donald Trump and George Bush for spending too much money and fiscal that's, discipline. That's, that's stuff that is going to set her apart. A is that, you know, she's, she's the one that said the thing. Uh, and I don't know. And also I think what, what her, her pitch will be, I am the calming influence that you need. You don't need more kerosene, which is what Kirstie Nome or Carrie Lake or Marjorie Taylor green would be. You need somebody that is going to deal with abortion. That is going to deal with the suburbs. That is a problem for you. I can be your surrogate there. I can bring MAGA back to the Atlanta suburbs in a way that none of these other women can. Yeah. And that, and, and, and Trump did use, like we, we've, we've forgotten it now because Mike Pence is now, you know, had to be number one of Trump, but Pence was a bridge building VP pick when the, he 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 needed the evangelicals. Right. When the, when the concern was that Trump was this New York liberal who wasn't going to be able to, you know, who was just taking over the party and he needed to fortify his right wing base. He needed to talk more about judges and he needed to assure evangelical groups that no, no, my, you have somebody in the white house. Yeah. So he, yeah, th- th- this was my thought with, with, with the debate is that, Hey, I thought it was an enjoyable debate. I thought it was, I thought it was actually fun to watch in a way that a lot of these are, are not uh, normally the, the eight people on stage debates are just, there's only so much, not a car crash that they're ever going to be. And, you know, to be it would, totally it would be honest, better, it, it, it'll the next one will be better when uh, if, if Hutchinson and Bergham go off the stage, because then it's like because like, frankly, the debate just got really boring when they were talking. Plainly, Bergham talk about playing hurt, though. I felt bad for him the entire time. You know, he's he's out there with a torn ACL and, a, and, and he made a big deal about the fact that he wasn't going to be on painkillers. So he's just he has to stand for two hours on a torn ACL without any kind of painkillers that was that was that was some crazy stuff yeah no that that that, that wasn't a press performance but like there's like i mean can we can we talk about the vivek climate answer like yes one of the i mean that's what a debate is supposed to be for i guess to yeah. articulate your views just because i think your view is nuts doesn't mean that like i like i'm glad that he articulated it yeah, you know, and, this and is that's what this is supposed to be for some 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 of the Vivek fanboys came out and and were like, oh, well, he said the climate change agenda 
was a hoax. He didn't say the climate change was a hoax. He said the climate change agenda was a hoax. And I'm like, all right, well, number one, it's a distinction without a difference. And if you are flirting with that phrase, that climate change is a hoax, then you're doing it on purpose. You are doing it to signal to people that, that do not believe in it to say, this is where you are the kind of person that says the thing, right? Uh, That being said, and he's articulated this in other platforms, but the position that he's taken is that of Alex Epstein, who just wrote a book, Fossil Future, and has been on this side of being skeptical of green energy, uh, energy scalability and taking the argument that global regulations on fossil fuels does nothing but hurt developing countries and to take the side of the hospital in Africa that can't turn on their lights because of a regulation, blah, 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 blah. But if you're going to do that, then take the human side of it. <laughs> Don't just say that the climate change agenda is, is, is a hoax. I, I, I think that was him feeling himself getting a little bit too much dip on his chip. I, I thought he was at risk to get Bloomberg because it's hard to get up to speed. If you've never been on a stage like that, under those lights, he decided to be very aggressive up top. And that was a moment where I think he, he Icarus. Yeah. What did, what did we think of? Was it, was it Chris Christie who had the, uh, the, the candidate for uh chat GPT line? Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think that worked. I thought he was bad. I, I thought for, for Chris Christie, whose entire strategy, his entire push was, Get me on the debate stage. Get me on the debate stage. I'll say the thing and hope he was hoping he was going to say it to Trump. Well, yeah, that's the thing. The second Trump doesn't show up, the entire point of of Chris Christie's uh, uh, candidacy, candidacy in in air quotes, he's not actually running. He's just. Well, and that's and that's the thing is that the strategic reason for Trump not to be there is if he doesn't do this debate, this first debate, he effectively kills two candidates. He kills Mike Pence and he kills Chris Christie because Christie was there to yell at Trump and that's what he has been transparent about. And Mike Pence obviously has been practicing in the mirror his January 6th speech and he wanted to say, you, sir, Mr. Trump uh, uh, told me to blah, blah, blah over the Constitution. That's what he wanted to do. He couldn't do it. And so, you know, it's kind of a fart in the wind at this point. Right. Exactly. Like yeah, there's like a couple of points of movement. If you believe somewhat believe the the polls, but like, frankly, we haven't got, I'm always skeptical of these GOP aligned pollsters who are putting yeah. out stuff because let's be honest here. The GOP establishment are the anti-Trump pro yes. DeSantis, whatever version of that phraseology you want and so i'm i'm always a little skeptical these were the same people who were trying to build the actually desantis isn't dead or you know he's still leading when when desantis was falling and trump was gaining back in the spring so like but you know you got still you got morning consult there still isn't big movement there this is still no, Trump's nomination yeah i, I think yeah, we, we, we talked about this on on wednesday's episode that uh there's really not a lot of movement. And if there's not a lot of movement, then nothing really happened. Now, I think it'll be interesting. I do think that that we do got to watch this next debate in that you paired the debate with the mugshot, the made-for-television spectacle that was him surrendering to uh, the Fulton County authorities. But even then, I, 
I don't know. I, 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 the only dynamic that I could see changing, and this is really me trying to dig deep into my fan fiction. Uh, uh, how do we make this a race still uh, brain? But if the adrenaline of the indictments are different than the drudgery of trials, then maybe there is a bit of a returning back to earth for Trump. But there's a lot of ifs there. And to be totally honest, even saying it, I don't buy it. Well, so this actually gets to like the most important point of the debate. Uh, biggest loser of the night, Ron DeSantis, because he was fine. Like if I am judging this on like debate, like as a debate, he did fine. He got his answers out. His answers yeah. were fine. But the problem is his campaigns on life support. He's fading fast. He's losing all of uh, all of whatever momentum he has left. And every opportunity that he fails is a loss. Right. Um, and so if he's the biggest loser of the night. Like, honestly, the only way that this race gets interesting is if the third round pick I made, the the call I predicted last time <laughs> I was on the show, and we, we will get think, to it. I don't think DeSantis is going to Iowa, and that's the only way this primary gets interesting. Is that DeSantis drops out, Tim Scott manages to 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 pull off maybe not winning Iowa, but like 35 percent. He goes to South Carolina, wins his home state because it's super evangelical. Can get a few southern states in the south. That's the closest thing to a pass to get this to be interesting. And I only half believe what I just said. Yeah. So we disagree in that. I. I am more of the belief that this is less about the failings of the DeSantis campaign. And we can go through them because I don't think that he has run a good campaign. I, I remain steadfast that he was better at running for president last summer than he was this summer, which is baffling to me that he was, he was better at staying in the headlines. He was better at creating controversies that uh, shaped his candidacy as a bold fighter in a way that Donald Trump was not. Than he is this time. I think his candidate is his campaign is scared. I think that they are trying to hide him and that this feels a lot more like Hillary Clinton than it does Donald Trump. And that is a problem. That being said. The fact that he has melted in the same. Uh, uh, the same way that everybody else in the field and we have not seen a bunch of DeSantis voters go shopping with another candidate. I think is tells us that this is more about the fact that the indictments made this all about a Trump referendum. Do you believe that the Republican party will be illegal in eight years because the Biden uh, justice department has set a terrible precedent and we need to push back with Donald Trump. That seems to me to be the main part of this primary. And if that's the case, then I don't care what campaign you're running. It's going to be hard. Yeah. And it's entirely possible that, that, that he never could have won because of circumstance, right? The Jack Smith becoming yeah. this, you know, hate figure on the right meant that it was never going to be there, but there's, he never had a chance. And then there's, he's like maybe 10 days away from getting passed by Bavec nationally and getting passed by Tim Scott in Iowa. And those are two very different. Should those happen? That will be. Yes, that is. That is. Uh, uh, and, and also they're running out of moves. 
right? <laughs> they're running well, yeah, out of moves. Cause, they've, cause, they've, cause they've, every, already, they've already... Every week you waste is a, is a week you don't get back. Well, and it's... They slimmed down the campaign because the donors were pissed about the burn rate. And then they changed everybody but the campaign manager. And then they changed the campaign manager. So, you know, we're, 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 we're running out of things to do. We're running out of uh, 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 fixes to say that something else needs to happen. I was very, very disappointed because I, I, I agree with you that in terms of the debate, he was not the standout, but some of the feedback that that came out was that in a very chaotic debate with with Vivek yelling and blah, 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 that he could be an adult. So you want to know what you need to declare victory no matter what. He had enough there that his people could. They had an internal poll in Iowa that showed positive movement and they could not stop talking about it. But if that's the case, you need to be on television everywhere. You need to be. That's that's when you go do the, 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 the MSNBC interview with where, where you're arguing with people. That's when you do need to go on the, the Sunday shows. That's when you do need to uh, uh, be very present and very forward. Because if, if you want to pretend that this is momentum, whether or not it is, you got to block and tackle there, there's X's and O's here that I just, I am, I'm, I'm baffled. I, I, I just have no idea why this is a far more hesitant operation than it was a year ago. I, I, I thought they would have a chance because of the summer they had a year ago. And since then, all they've done is just roll over and, and act like they're, they're front runners when, when they are the furthest thing from it. They don't seem to have like a, they got punched in the mouth, which was always going to happen in a presidential campaign. And yep. they don't seem to have, and now they're scared of their own shadow. Yes. They're, they're, like, why haven't why hasn't he done Tucker yet since Tucker's been doing the 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 show on Twitter every night? Why yeah. hasn't he done? I haven't even seen like a clip of him on like Hannity in a while. He went he went on Hannity to set up the Gavin Newsom debate that hasn't happened, which I think that's oh a good idea. God. Do that. Go do a thing. That's the other. The thing about Ron DeSantis is he has main character capability. Either you desperately want to see him fail or you want to see him succeed. But when he is out there, he is somebody that people pay attention to. Donald Trump understood that if he goes and does a bunch of interviews, it doesn't matter if he's trending because everybody says he's an idiot. It doesn't matter if he's trending because people say he's the greatest person on earth. It means that he sucks the oxygen out of the room. The only candidate on stage that has the capacity to do that is Ron DeSantis, but you need surface area. You need to be out there. And they're afraid. They did one interview with CNN and it was in the middle of the afternoon. And, and it was to have him roll out a uh, roll out his military white paper. And they wound up getting blown off the front page metaphorically, because there are, there are no front pages anymore. They got blown off the front page because one of the Trump indictments had, had just either come down or were rumored to come down. So I don't know. I agree with you. Why isn't he on Tucker? Why isn't he on Hannity? Why isn't he, you know, I, I don't know, doing stuff, do more Twitter spaces. Even then it's like that. I, I was, I was supportive of all that hoopla because it took everybody's uh, uh, time to talk about whether or not his Twitter space thing was good or bad. That's great. 
if you are in a post-Trump world. You want real estate in people's minds. And he's just not done it. It's 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 the weirdest thing for me. The only reason I didn't agree with the tourist spaces is if they don't like they don't sort of congeal well. They don't sort of um, lend themselves to like shareable content afterwards. But yeah, just do things, even do things that I don't think are like tactically optimal. Just do them. Yes. But he's just running this campaign where he's like, oh, I'm 15. Po-. Like those sort of like rise above, be the adult in the room is like Trump's at 40. I'm at 30. Everyone else is at six. Yes. I don't really want to like dignify any of these people by pretending they're on my level. But the problem is he's way closer to Ramaswamy and the others and in Iowa to Tim Scott and the others to be pretending that he's above them. Yeah. And again, no, the point I, I keep coming back to is what's the what's the less embarrassing outcome of this campaign for because I think both you and I agree that he is not going to win this nomination. What's less embarrassing short, short of for, short of a medical emergency for the front runner, I agree. Right. But like that just that like that that goes without saying because yes. I could also happen yeah. on the Democratic side. So but yeah. in a fair fight, he's not winning this nomination. So what's less embarrassing for 2028, which will be what his ambition returns to, right? He wants to be president one day. He wants to have a career afterwards. He doesn't just want to limp back to Florida, spend the last two and a half years of his term, you know, walking, doing essentially a, a wounded duck. So what's less embarrassing? Going to Iowa, maybe coming in third, seeing Tim Scott be declared, you know, Trump winning the, the caucus, but Tim Scott being the declare you know the media winner and then quietly limping off or getting out before it gets too bad like i i think this could not have gone better for that theory let's use that i think you're i think you're doing a little bit of copium here it's a little bit of hopium a little bit of hopium for you i don't i i i don't agree well let's go over this is your this is your roster this is your roster for a failed fantasy uh candidate draft and i think we can all agree that this is DeSantis is the candidate that turns this contest for us right now. Yes. As we stand, my candidates have been in the race for less days. And that's, that's how we're doing this. Our roster will, will be determined by how many days they were in. Cause we're looking for bad campaigns right now. My candidates have been in for 379 or sorry, uh, 381 days. Cause I sent this yesterday and your candidates as we record this on Wednesday and your candidates have been in for 438 days. My candidates are Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, and Tim Scott. Your candidates are Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Ron DeSantis. So let's start with DeSantis. You have your entire theory of the case was that DeSantis will drop out before Iowa. And while I don't think that that is out of the question, I just don't know whether or not you as the only person who is polling at double digits consistently can drop out first. That's 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 the the the, the one thing that feels odd to me is that he would drop out before a Mike Pence or before a Nikki Haley or before a Tim Scott. That that seems odd. If 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 he were the fourth or fifth person in that list, then I buy it. But 
when he drops out, that the primary's over. The the counterpoint to that though is that expectations really matter here, right? The reason Nikki Haley can go on at six percent or five percent or whatever she is, you know, is because no one expected anything of her, right? So Nikki Haley at six percent, she's matching expectations. Everyone knows what what she's doing here, and everybody knows that she isn't really running for president. Everybody knows that she is running to be promoted from UN ambassador or whatever job she held under Trump the first time to uh to vp he is the victim of 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 his own circumstance him pulling at 13 in rcp right now is way 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 worse than you know nikki haley at five or mike pence at five so that's one two tim scott's gonna be staying in because he at least in theory is trying to do the ted cruz i strategy but the and and you know different polls vary on on how successful that strategy is being but the thing is, again, he's the only person who has a political future that isn't dependent upon Trump's goodwill or the goodwill yeah. of Trump voters, right? Ramaswamy obviously wants either a cabinet job, VP, or he probably goes and runs to succeed Mike DeWine. I, 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 I I'm not I'm not convinced that he stays in politics. <laughs> I think I think I think Vivek it would be would be just as happy to leave with the couple of uh, uh, hundred thousand new Twitter followers and the ability to sell more books. Uh, I, I, I have no no part of Vivek makes me think that unless he got a prestige cabinet job that he would might ever run for office again. That's also that's also fair, but he at least it, if he has future political ambitions, um, he's at least leaving the door open to them by by doing it this way. Um, DeSantis DeSantis has like a real has a real downside of this of, if this campaign lingers too long, he has real reputational downside that will have ramifications for years. I and don't know. I I, I, I uh, we disagree for this reason. All of us, between the two of us, we've got the three evangelical candidates in this draft. You've got Asa Hutchinson, I got Mike Pence, and I got Tim Scott. Of those three, how many of, or one to three, how many make it to Iowa between Hutchinson, Pence, and Scott? You don't got to name who, but of those three, how many make it to caucus day? Two, but I think the likely, but I think if you're making me choose between one and three, one is likelier than three. Uh, me too. I, don't I, think I agree. I don't think there's any chance Hutchinson goes. I think there's a chance Pence is gone if Tim Scott is actually the viable evangelical candidate in Iowa. Um, and especially if Pence doesn't get a debate stage moment with Trump where he gets to give the speech he's been rehearsing in the mirror, as yeah. you put it. Um it, that campaign seems like it's flatlining and he, it's it's not even working in Iowa. So I think I think it's funny. Your Pence pick is probably going to work out better than your Tim Scott pick. But they're reversed. But no, I but I, I actually I think draft, I think Tim Scott's the most likely to drop out for the for the reason that you said he can always go back to the Senate. He, he's got he's got stuff. He's he's still young. He can chalk it up. Look, uh, there was another senator that kept running for president and failing. His name was Joe Biden. Eventually, he did it. You might have to be near death, but you can still eventually go back and run again. And I think Tim Scott can look at that and say, hey, you want to know what? I'm not catching on. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm one of three. Uh, you want to know what? Let me just do the Trump endorsement now 
I'll, I'll build up some MAGA bona fides and head back to the Senate. I, I always have time to reload in four years when there's still probably going to be an open primary. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's possible. I just think that the fact that he is like leading of the evangelical of the three. Trio, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, there's no way, there's no way there's not some consolidation on that, on that flank. Um, and you, I think you need the consolidation a little more. Cause then if you get the consolidation, then you get, one of those people who I who I think both I expected both of them to go to to go to Iowa. Uh, if you get one of those not going to Iowa, you win this plainly because you have if, the day unless DeSantis, unless unless DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis is the big that that's that's the that's the prize. Or all right, so let's well, let's now. Well, I, I want to take the L. I didn't. This 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 Vivek surge is not doing me well. <laughs> this is not doing this is not doing my strategy well because I thought, yeah, he, I thought he would just like kind of you know mess around, hang out, say he get to run for president, and then just like drop out in October. That's not happening. That that's not he's he's gonna milk this because again, whether he wants to run for governor in the future whether he wants a plump cabinet job or whether he wants to just sell, uh, you know, a ton more books and, and go back into the business world. Um, there is a market. There is there, there, there is a market for his sort of, I'm going to say the things that Donald Trump's voters want to hear, but he can't really say, cause he does, you know, actually have to, you know, at least pretend to care about winning a general election. Yeah. And so long as that audience exists, he's going to stay in. And that's like pretty bad for my draft. It is an indictment on Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson, and uh, everybody else that is polling below Vivek nationally that he's been able to do that. Like th- this is a, a the fact that he's able to stand out on that stage and I don't think he really did himself a ton of favors because he you know treated it like a, a twitch politics debate and not a television debate for actual president of the United States but he is connecting with a certain audience now here's where I would say you could be saved we are a couple months ago we were DMing back and forth because we thought he might drop out. There were rumors that he was going to drop out when Trump got indicted in Florida. And I still think that we are one in front of a courthouse appearance of a vague saying, uh, uh, I cannot stand this any longer. Uh, I am going to drop out. I am going to throw my support because I do think that the most famous Vivek will be, will not be running for president in this cycle. It will be being the super surrogate for Trump. Uh, he'll be on the road. He'll be doing events. He will be up on stage during the Republican national convention. That's where his highest profile will come. And at a certain point, regardless of how well or bad he is doing, I think he's just going to turn that engine over. Yeah. And I think for him, he has, I think it might actually sort of like going out on his terms might actually be helpful for him. And this is, this could be pure cope because I need it to win this draft. Uh, <laughs> but going out on his own terms could sort of like save him the like, oh, well, was he actually that popular? Well, and actually- that's the other thing is here's what Vivek does not want to be the guy that is in second place if DeSantis drops out. 
He no. doesn't want, he does not want that. So I think no. that there is every, there is every chance that he drops out before DeSantis does. If he hears rumors that, you know, the, the uh, uh, powers that be are pulling the plug on DeSantis. And let's, let's also understand this. No campaign ends because a politician is embarrassed. No campaign ends because a politician is thinking about their future. Every campaign ends because the money runs out and they can't pay people. That's the only they will ride this car as long as there is gas in the tank and gas is money. In this case, if there is still money in the bank, they will run. If the money runs out, then that's it. And that's the biggest question for all of these candidates at a certain point when they go back to their donors and say money, please. And the answer is no. That's when everything shuts down. This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Now is the time when you need to be on our Patreon. You don't want to miss any news that comes through because this is the time when news happens and it happens fast. Go ahead and get into your update, though. As the September 30th deadline approaches, Congress is striving to fund the government to prevent a potential shutdown. However, several hardline House Republicans are downplaying or even supporting the idea of a shutdown, arguing that it'd be preferable to the nation's current spending pattern. While they represent a small portion of the GOP, their stance complicates the efforts of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who is advocating for a short term continuing resolution to extend funding beyond the deadline. McCarthy warns of the consequences a shutdown might have on investigations into the Biden administration, a viewpoint not shared by all conservatives. The House Freedom Caucus has presented specific demands for government funding, which, if not met, could result in a shutdown that they see as an acceptable consequence. This conflict places pressure on the negotiation process, especially given the democratically controlled Senate's likely refusal of the Freedom Caucus's demands. Now, the potential for a shutdown as leveraged will be debated amongst members, some highlighting the risks and unpredictability. Democrats, meanwhile, criticize the dismissive stance of certain Republicans, calling it out of touch and irresponsible. I mean, come on, song remains the same. Right. This isn't anything that you should be all too surprised by. This kind of always happens. And and at this point, I think it's okay. It's negotiation time. We all know that nothing happens until 48 hours before it needs to happen. And so there we go. Let's get into uh, a more disturbing story. During a press conference in Kentucky, On Wednesday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell paused for nearly 30 seconds, an incident described by his office as feeling, quote, momentarily lightheaded. This is the second time that McConnell has displayed such behavior, freezing in front of reporters, the first being in July. While some have expressed concern over the incidents, prominent Republicans, including Kevin McCarthy and Ted Cruz, have voiced no worries about his health. McConnell, who is 81 and holds the record as the longest-serving Senate party leader, has faced other health challenges recently, like a concussion this year in March. Despite this, though, he continues his duties with no indication from GOP senators to review their leadership. 
he has said he will serve out his full term, which ends in 2026. This has happened twice in front of reporters, which is where Mitch McConnell would like it to happen the least. We do not know how many times this has happened behind the scenes. We do know that Mitch McConnell is among the more powerful Republicans in congressional history. He is an extraordinary vote counter and uh, persuader. He has been able to keep his group together in the Senate. And it would blow me away if he runs for re-election. And that's the problem is that when he froze for this, he froze while people were asking him about re-election. It's bad. You know, McConnell and Feinstein specifically, they're... They're not in a great spot, which makes me think because when Feinstein and McConnell were at the beginnings of their careers, they saw incredibly elderly senators that held on to the very, very last dregs of their career. And that's one thing. It's one thing if you are being paraded around by your staff and everybody in D.C. knows it. It's another thing if it's caught in HD and spread around the world instantly. And so I would wonder that while I'm sure it's easy for a lot of younger senators to look at what's happening here and say, well, never me, never me, never me. I really do hope that they remember this part. That they remember the part where the end of their life is memorialized by the frailty of their body and not the legacy that they created in government. And finally, the Biden administration's Department of Health and Human Services has recommended that the Drug Enforcement Agency reclassify marijuana from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 3 substance under the Controlled Substances Act, marking a potential monumental shift in federal drug policy. This recommendation emerged from a review by the Food and Drug Administration initiated by President Biden last year and sent to the National Institute on Drug Abuse and HHS before reaching the DEA. While the DEA is not bound to accept HHS's proposal, if accepted, the reclassification could end significant portions of long-standing federal prohibition on cannabis. Despite this, Some advocates believe that the move is insufficient as it doesn't entirely decriminalize marijuana at the federal level. This is an issue where the states have led. Obviously, you have full legalization of marijuana in states like California. You have recreational use in many, many more. At this point, it's it's too, uh, too many to count. And to be totally honest with you, even states that don't have it legal at all, you've seen the arising of Delta 8 and Delta 9, which every gas station that I go to here in South Austin, Texas, looks like a dispensary with how much stuff that will get you high, it just will not get you real weed high. But guess what? You smoke enough of it or you take enough edibles and you're going to be flying. It is something which 
you know, the time has come. The time has come to to federally understand that the mood changed on this a while ago. And I would very much like to see, and I think I will in our lifetime, see a lot of these companies that have gotten into the cannabis game be able to realistically go national. Right now, everything that you do, you have to grow. Even if you you have a brand that spreads over multiple states, you have to grow everything in that state. I think we're going to see a world where marijuana is another crop. And you know what? The end of the world. You know. Everyone deserves a little smoke here and again. And that'll be it for us. TakePoliticsSeriously.com has brought you this update at the $3 level. That's only $3 a week. Cheaper than a cup of coffee. You get two bonus episodes each and every week. If you like this show, if you listen to this show two times a week, boy, howdy, are you going to enjoy listening to it for two more episodes? The latest news, nothing will be left. All right, let's get back to Evan. So, who, okay, so Suarez, okay, Suarez doesn't really count. He wasn't really running for president. He just, I don't know. Who's, like, the first person of the eight? Hutchinson's the first person of the eight who keeps dropping it, right? I would assume so. You know, I went back and watched debates for all the candidates that were on stage, except for Vivek, because he didn't have any tape. And so, Asa, I knew was going to suck. Because he was very big fish, small pond in his gubernatorial debates. And he was just, he was, he was not going to be able to stick out. He's not never Trump enough to be a never Trump guy. He's not evangelical enough to be the evangelical guy. Uh, I don't really even know why he's running except that he's got establishment connections and he can get on meet the press and face the nation regularly. Uh, so I would assume at some point the money runs out for him. And, and actually if we look at RCP, do you have RCP pulled up for Iowa? Uh, for Iowa in two seconds, he is at 0.4% in Iowa. Yeah, look, if, you know, we and this is, by the way, another reason why I like the debate, I think that they got more, the Republican Party got more done on abortion in that 10 minute segment than they've gotten done since Dobbs. Like there was, there was more of an actual roadmap for what the Republican Party is offering on the abortion question than there has been leading up to it. And If we now know the evangelical point of view is a national law of 15 weeks, uh, which would punish states that have it more, but would be in line with Western European countries. If that's where the evangelical line is and you know it because all the evangelical candidates said the same thing, Pence did, Hutchinson did, Tim Scott did, then we now know that's that's the offering. That's the offering for evangelicals. I'd be curious to see if Hutchinson, one of them might go lower. 
I think that's the move to make for Iowa. If you are trying to talk to that pro-life crowd, you could say, no, I've, I've, I heard of the testimonial. Now it should be 10 weeks or it should be whatever. But past that, you're out of moves. Either the evangelicals like you or they don't. And I don't even know how many never Trump evangelicals there are in Iowa. There are there were there were enough for Ted Cruz in 2016, but Ted Cruz had to like live there. And he was a lot more famous and 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 more of a of a feisty guy than any of these three. And that was also when Trump was, you know, in like the you know, 40s nationally, high 30s nationally. And you yeah. know, Cruz could and you know, like Trump's probably gonna underrun his national number by roughly the same amount he did in 2016 in Iowa, which is to say like 10 to 15 points, but Trump's national number is going to be like 55 and he's going to win the caucus with 40 as opposed to when he was in, yeah. you know, when he was at 38 and he got 26 and lost to Cruz. Um, and also more of the GOP establishment and more of the like caucus organization, it will be behind Trump this time than in 2016 when he had like no, when no one in Iowa owed him any favors, no one in Iowa, he had no friends in Iowa, so he'll be fine there. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't know, like, the thing the thing about this primary is that it's it's just like deeply it again it was it was like a curb your enthusiasm thing i could hear the music <laughs> playing in the background as they were having this debate about everything but the fact that they're going to nominate a guy who's been indicted four times who's supreme who's like signature achievement to the right is these three supreme court justices but his supreme accomplishment has also caused the biggest political sort of boon to Democratic. And he, and he runs away from it. He won't talk about it. That was the one thing that I liked about it is at least most everybody on the stage said either uh, it's up to the states or if it's a federal law, it's 15 weeks. Trump still has it. He hasn't taken any position on abortion. He's just said, well, we'll see. Right. But like the the thing that gets me and it's just like. I, <sighs> Uh, you know, we see these polls and people freaked out when the New York Times Siena poll had a tie nationally. And I'm like, can someone make the case to me why Donald Trump is going to be a more popular general election candidate after January 6th, after Dobbs and after four indictments than he was in 2020 when he lost? Well, obviously, I mean, the argument would be. He was not as unpopular as he was in 2020 because COVID was a freak thing. And that's that's a you, you, there's there's part of the throw the throw, throw the results out of 2020 because of COVID. We're not going to have that same scenario again. That was a outlier. So that's that would be the first argument. The second argument would be the four indictments do play in his favor if you can make part of the argument that he is being politically persecuted. There is there is a. A, a lane there. That is what he's trying to do. I don't know if it'll be something that is compelling. I don't know if it wins him any more of the neighborhoods that he lost or the areas that he lost before. Uh, uh, I'm certainly not buying the uh, uh, Biden will only win 60% of the black vote, uh, which seems to be the latest thread of the Trump general election campaign argument is that that Trump is uh, now extraordinarily popular or even more popular with with the black voters. 
So, so can I, can I, can I, can I just give a warning to everybody on both sides about this stuff as sure, somebody who yes. got burned by a version of this argument in 2020? Okay. Um, you cannot unpick a poll's black cross tab, but then also just assume that the white cross tab is like um, gold because Democrats did it because Democrats by self-included did a version of this being like, you know, well, you know, Biden's only at 60% of the black vote. He'll get 85, 90. So therefore you can move this poll three points to the left. Eh, those white, those white cross tabs are also way too democratic. So let's not gotcha. And also definitely, but don't be doing this for a poll 15 months out. What are we doing? Get touch grass <laughs> people. Just please God touch grass. I will say, and I don't know who I would either have on the show or how it would be, but I am fascinated by the Trump the racial implications of Trump's mugshot discourse that is happening right now. It is such a intersection of, you know, the very nerdy world of demographic voting trends, the idea of hip hop culture and its weird intersection with conservative politics, because there are moments that I listen to the drink champs podcast and it sounds like it could be on the blaze. I was texting my buddy, Kevin Ryan, who works in the blaze. I'm like the last hour of the Warren G drinks, uh, drink champs this week, which was all about how California needs tougher shoplifting laws. I'm like, this could be on Glenn Beck's. This could be on the da- daily wire. There is something bizarre. I don't think it translates to actual voting, but, but certainly in terms of the discourse, this is very, very, this is the kind of super weird election era discourse that i just love because you never get it anywhere else well it's also but it's also like a version of like a very specific republican misunderstanding of black voters yes who are like which is the same thing that like the herschel like what one of the things i was right about was the fact that like no herschel wasn't going to suddenly you know sort of de-racialize uh georgia Georgia yeah Herschel did generic Republican numbers. Brian Kemp did better with with, uh, black voters than Herschel Walker did. Yeah. Like by a decent margin. Herschel just did what a generic Republican would do with those voters. And like, but they were so convinced that if you just run the black football player, that all these black Georgia Georgia football fans would just be like, oh, I'm going to vote for him. And like, Although I will say Warnocker, so that that ad where he just had Georgia alums be like, I love Herschel Walker. Just please God, don't make me vote for him. That well, was I mean, yeah, one of my it, favorite to, ads to me, of the cycle. Yeah, the Warnock campaign won because it understood don't mention Joe Biden, don't mention Stacey Abrams. The fact that he ran away from both of them wound up, you know, he he understood how to win. He understood where he needed to identify. When you watch all those ads. They, you know, he was, he didn't even say Democrat. He was just a nice guy. I I helped find funding for school buses. There we go. Like that was, that was what he ran with. And he he ran well. It was a weird sort of like throwback campaign. Right. And I, and I think John Ossoff's going to do a very similar thing in 2026. I'm just like, I got these schools funded. I got this rural hospital in Georgia funded that my opponent never did. Right. It's it's like a very retail politician mentality in Georgia, which I sort of quite I, fi- I find quite endearing. Well, them, I mean, from, it, the, it, from it, the Georgia Democrats, 
the, the, the meadow with smarty pants is like us on Twitter is that, you know, all politics is national, right? And that from, from the smallest office to the biggest office, we should be talking about the things that are nationally relevant because that's what voters care about. And to a certain extent, I can understand that we have a very flattened out media system. So people talk less about the things that are next to them than they did 30 years ago. But at the same time, you know, uh, Warnock did a really good job standing in the middle of a, a peanut farm saying, hey, I supported peanut farms and not talking about, you know, of uh, 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 any of the national Democratic issues. He didn't really talk about abortion. He was just, you know, I think he mentioned, you know, pro uh, pro choice, but but he didn't make it his campaign. No, and he mostly allowed the media to do that for him, right? Like he didn't, yeah. he he didn't jump all over the 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 Herschel abortion stuff. He mostly just let the media do do his job there. But no, it it's a twenty twenty four is going to be fascinating because Trump at the top of the ticket is going to cause a lot of things. Biden's age is this like thing that everyone thinks about, but like the the thing is is that like it's not even just that he's old it's like does biden have a bad brain fart at at a bad time in public like is there a moment that crystallizes does, the, like does he does he fall concern? asleep at the maui thing but it's not in this dead time for media it's where everybody's right. ravenous and everybody's watching the exact same thing if if what happened at the maui reception happens in the middle of the campaign it's a 10x bigger deal Right, exactly. And so like that, that is there. You've got this, you've got these Senate seats that, you know, obviously Republicans are are favored, you know, clear, obvious, sizable favorites to win the Senate. You have this. Uh, wait, okay. Do you think Kevin McCarthy is actually gonna gonna put impeachment on the floor for for like an actual vote? Because I don't. <laughs> I... Kevin McCarthy, from the moment he got the speakership, has reminded me of Walter White and Breaking Bad. Like, I don't know how he's going to get out. There's there's always when he ever, whenever he survives a thing, there's another thing that's set up. And I have no idea how he's going to get out of it. I think that there are winning issues for the Republicans in the House. I, I do think that there is, uh, you know, the, 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 the Hunter Biden thing has broken better for them than it would have. Otherwise, it is so far broken better for them than uh you know, Benghazi or something like that, because it is still in motion and that plea deal fell apart, but they don't agree on what they would impeach him on. It's a retribution impeachment. And if they can't agree and have their narrative there, then I, I think Kevin McCarthy would like to not do it. Whether or not he's going to have a choice is a different story, but does he even have the votes to do it? If you're if you're advising one of these Republican congressmen in like a, you know, New York or California, Trump plus 10 to 12 seat, if you're Mike Lawler, if you're uh, Mark Molinaro, are you voting for this? I I mean, again, we don't know what it would be. We have no idea what it would be. You know, the, the, the like, initial yeah. thought was the 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 initial the, the initial thought was that you get Mayorkas. Right. And I do think that now, especially when you've seen some of the polling in New York City and stuff like that, that uh, there is a a reshaping of the question of the border in the American mind. And you probably could have had a shot at hanging a loss on the Biden administration with Mayorkas. And now that's kind of gone to the wayside. 
So now it's Biden, but what is the offense? And if they're just kind of giving you the poo-poo platter of things that are talked about on Fox News, no, I wouldn't vote for it. I think that that, that the smart thing to do would be to hammer, you know, keep bringing people that, that were in the middle of this DOJ Hunter thing, trumpet that, and and let that be your win. Because other than that, no, I don't think impeaching Biden is a smart idea. And it gives the Biden administration and Democrats something to something to yell about that I think that the, the American people will agree with them, that they can't see a clear reason why it would happen. And by the way, that's also the argument that Republicans want to take advantage of for Trump, because through all these indictments, I do think that the best thing that the best strategy that the, that the Trump campaign can have is, did you know the legal uh, uh, boundaries of electors for the United States? Probably not. So these are, are, are charges that are being brought up that you were not familiar with the crimes. And if you are trying to make a specific argument for how to impeach Biden, then you are inherently taking out of the steam of the Trump argument, which is they're reaching. They're reaching and they're punishing their a political opponent. If you start reaching to punish a political opponent, then you're taking away from that. So who knows? Uh, uh, and also, if uh, you're one of if, if if the crime is essentially that Joe Biden has a bit of a, a you know, fail son um, is. Is 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 Don Jr. and Eric or are they going to be super enthralled with the idea of the GOP, you know, criticizing fail sons for using their dad's name to try and get rich? Is that really an argument? The Trump family is going to be like super happy for Kevin McCarthy to 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 to, uh, you know, precedent for for him to set. I, I know it just it shows you such a such a <laughs> a bizarre line of money and influence in the world in, in, in America today that it is for Hunter flying too close to the sun to essentially redefine yourself. You used to be a lobbyist. You couldn't be a lobbyist anymore. So now you're not a lobbyist, but you're essentially doing the same thing you were as a lobbyist, which is knowing the right people to call when the people who are paying you want a thing. And sometimes the person that you call is your dad. Uh, whereas with, 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 with Don Jr. and Eric, they're famous. So they go to banks and get gigantic loans or they get, you know, uh, loans from, from sovereign wealth funds to fritter away on God knows what. Right. And like, I don't think any Democrats are really going to be like, are really coming to the defense of Hunter Biden as like a, a truly ethical person. But like, there's a line between being, you know, a you know bit shady in terms of invoking your father's name and an impeachable I, I, offense. I don't. I don't think. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Hunter's crime or Hunter's whatever, whatever he winds up getting charged for and not charged for that. That's the liability for Joe. The liability for Joe is the the reporting around what happened with the DOJ and you know something that that got reported in Politico that I'm I'm kind of surprised hasn't been more of even a Republican talking point. Is, you know, Politico reported that Hunter's lawyers were threatening the DOJ to put Joe on the stand against his own Department of Justice. And it's like that. I think those kind of questions, President Biden, were you aware that that was a strategy and were you willing to testify against your own Department of Justice in defense of your son? Those are the questions that I think 
are more politically damaging because now it's about him. I don't think if this is about Hunter, then it's you can put a wall there. If it's about interference within the Department of Justice, specifically as their uh, distance from the DOJ is very important for their Trump claims. That's that's where I think it gets more potentially uh, problematic. Yeah, although I assume the Biden, I, I assume the Biden admin would just say, obviously, I'm not getting involved in this. Like, what are you talking? I would assume they would just deflect that one fairly easily. Um, no, but I'm I'm fascinated. Like these GOP Senate primaries are going to be fascinating. Can uh, Steve Daines do a better job of candidate selection than? Uh, than well, Rick it feels Scott, like he's already at least conscious. Where where we're yeah, trying we're, to? Yes, whether, we're, whether whether we're, Rick, Rick Scott. Rick Scott different. seemed to be asleep. Or he genuinely believed that there was nothing wrong with running Herschel Walker and uh, Blake Masters and Doc. Well, I mean, I don't get why I don't get why Mr. McConnell seems convinced that like the solution to all ills in Pennsylvania is Dave McCormick. But uh, I mean, if they can just avoid the landmines and if they can avoid uh, Moreno in uh in Ohio and and maybe avoid Rosendale. And I, I think Rosendale would still be favored over Tester. Yeah. Like No, but the, they just the they just don't want the they don't they don't want the clown show. That's that's yeah. what they're trying to avoid. Like and even if one of these they, candidates have to win a tough primary, uh, you know, as long as they can avoid I mean, I guess yeah, the argument for McCormick in Pennsylvania is that he came within a few votes of beating Dr. Oz. And maybe that's a different story if it's not the clown show of Dr. Oz versus Fetterman. But he's still not beating Bob Casey. He's not. Democrats no. have a candidate. Democrats have a clear candidate advantage. Yes. Um, whatever you think of Fetterman in a vacuum, Fetterman recovering from a stroke versus Bob Casey. I'm taking Bob Casey. Yes. Any day of the week. I would. And the I other would thing. And so like Ohio, like the referendum is interesting, but I don't think that's going to save Democrats. But the big thing is that they would like to not have to spend the millions and millions and millions of dollars in Montana and maybe even Ohio if they can get good candidates. Yes. So that they can start to put maybe Jackie Rosen. Yeah. Jackie Rosen in Nevada. Uh, maybe Carrie Lake in Arizona. Like they want to put those on the board and not having to spend a ton of money in Ohio or Montana would be pretty essential. The one last thing, and I got to let you go, uh, is when we are looking at both Carrie Lake in Arizona and looking at Trump in the general, we need to start thinking of these clearly as three-way races. Cause I do believe it in Arizona, it's going to be a three-way, a three-way race. And I think in the general, it might be a four, you know, Cornell West is, going to get on television a lot. And, and, you know, I, I don't think he's going to do statistically much better or worse than the green party candidate normally does, but he's certainly going to be more visible than green party candidates have been in the past. And it looks like there's no labels thing. You know, they, they, they made sure that they were out on television more than Ron DeSantis after that debate. So it looks like they're serious about it. And if that's the case, then the, the calculus does change, especially in uh, considering how close it's been nationally. It does. So I, I, okay, here's my thing. I actually think Cornell West is a net positive for Joe Biden because 
Cornell West is going to be attacking him from the left on Ukraine, Russia. And I think giving Biden opportunities to clap at his stupid left will a make uh, or what Biden would perceive as the stupid left will a give him opportunities to seem more moderate to the suburban voters that he needs to hold from 2020 and and make gains with to continue those trends. Um, and two, uh, Ukraine is still a majority opinion with the population. And also, if he can frame his opposition that way, then some of the like don't love Trump, uh, don't you know, whatever sort of Matt Gatesian sort of right, because uh, I don't want to say horseshoe theory, but like Ukraine is an issue where the extremes and the center, that's the divide. Yes. And I think if you can if you can f- make West less of a sort of like, you know, uh, left icon and more of just a, a crank extremist that helps you, that positions you in the in the center West against is, West is likable, though. He's going to call him brother Biden. He's going to call him brother Trump. He's he's the most likable Green Party candidate of my lifetime. Right. I mean, maybe he gets an extra three tenths over. I mean, again, uh, but 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 if you just do a strong Green Party number, it has not stopped the Democrats from blaming the Green Party for losing every election that they have lost. Right. Well, Whenever yeah, there's and any kind of Green Party candidate. Where can people read your stuff? Uh, political betting, NFL content, and the occasional hockey article over at thelines.com, uh, Canadian, American, British, and Australian political writing over at scrimshawnscripted.substack.com. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I tweet at links to everything. Thanks for having me on. Can't miss. Give me the can't miss of money in the bank. Bet your mortgage NFL future. Uh, Jets under nine and a half wins. Aaron Rodgers was 23rd in EPA per uh, EPA per play. 22nd in uh, success rate and 18th in completion percentage over expected last year. He was not good. He is not going to be good just because he goes to New York. People believing that he's going to have some renaissance this year is believing narrative over fact. He wasn't very good. He's not very good. The Jets are going to suck. Super tough division. Super tough schedule. It's an idiot. Thanks, man. And that'll be it for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show was edited by the inimitable Brett Stewart. If you'd like to thank Mr. Scrimshaw, it is px3guest.com. Letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. The email for this show is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter, or X, is px3tweets. Justin R. Young is my Twitter. If you'd like to catch us live on the internet, including all of our debate live streams, head on over to px3live.com and you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. Support us, PayPal, paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20 cash app, px3cash. And that's just a, a, a tip, a little tip. Maybe you ain't got money for a recurring thing. You just want to toss me a dollar. You want to throw me a buck, a little buckaroo. Do it on any of those platforms, PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. If you'd like to send me anything in the mail, it is P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, that is Post Office Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. 
Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we missed on our free podcasting schedule in our $10 tier. Get your name right at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Reminder, if you are in this tier, go check your email. We need new nicknames. Those will start next week. Jason, Edwin, Andres, Matt, John Gross, C. Garcia, Matthew T. Elbasso, John, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafety, B-Level, Amanda, Yeo, Pinball Shop, TP4, Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arzlanian, Blue Front and the Lanina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad Richard, just another pilot. Middle-aged Mike who loved Frank got abducted. Utah Jimmy Montana, the Gen A-L-D-L-D-L-D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, if you would like your name read, friends, head on over there right now. Take politics seriously. Dot com. We'll be back next week. Have a great Labor Day. Labor Day weekend here. I'm going to be up in Ohio. I'll be asking around. Asking around Ohio for their political thoughts. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, three. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.